Tonight we're going to talk about weathering the storms of life. Maybe it'll be somewhat appropriate in the midst of the COVID environment that we've been in about the last year and nine months. Uh, I hope that as we think about these thoughts today, we understand that there will be storms in life when COVID's long gone. There always has been, there always will be, and God will be here to help us see through those things if we are Christians. I want to begin my reading tonight, so we will have a reading from Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and beginning in verse 23 and continuing through verse 27. There, I knew it was here. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. Of course, the he is Jesus. So that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I think it's nice to become more and more acquainted with Jesus in our lives because it does cause us to stop and simply ask this question. What kind of a man is this? He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the one who has redeemed us from our sins by the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. And he is the one who will help us to endure whatever storms of life we may face along the way. Now, we all face some storms in our lives. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12 says that they might come, as they did to many of the early Christians, in the form of persecution. But I don't feel extremely persecuted in the life I live here in America for my faith. And yet the Bible says, for all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's more likely that I am going to have some difficult storms in my life because of my own decisions, because of sin and death that began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and man was separated from his Creator for the first time. And he remains separated from his Creator today by the same thing that separated Adam and Eve, Sin is man's problem. Sin will always be man's problem. Sin is my problem and sin is your problem. What we must do is come to find the one who can save us from our sins. And God has made that possible. What a wonderful verse in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Without Jesus, sin remains on our record. And we live with not only the consequences of our sin, but we live with the guilt of our sin. When we come to the Lord, many of those consequences are lifted, not all of them, but all of the guilt is lifted. And we no longer bear the guilt of our sins before God. We may bear it before our fellow human beings, but we will not bear it before God in the judgment if we are faithful to Him. When does that happen, Brother David? 
when you obey the gospel, when you believe in Jesus enough, I understand you had a baptism this morning. What happened this morning was someone, I don't know who came, believed in Jesus, made a decision that sin was what was separating them from God and wanted to rid themselves of it, confessed his name before this congregation, and then was immersed in water to arise to walk in a brand new life. They have crossed the, li they crossed the line of demarcation. Before we cross that line, we remain a people who cannot call God our Holy Father. But after we cross that line, after we become a Christian, we don't have to live a perfect life. We have to live a perfected life. He does not promise us that there will not be storms in life. He doesn't promise us that we will not sometimes struggle with sin as Christians. He does not promise us that we will not suffer the fate of death, physical death in this world, as hard as we try to avoid that. He doesn't make us that promise in the Bible. In fact, if Jesus tarries in his coming, we're all going to pass from this life physically. We become more aware of that, I think, especially some of us who are a little older. Well, it naturally comes when we get older, but I think we become a, have become a little more aware of that because of the people who have died of COVID. And there are people in this congregation who have died of COVID. There are people in the congregations that I serve who have died of COVID. Friends and neighbors, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that has caused us all to be a little frightened about the world in which we live. How are we going to weather all the storms we must face in life? I tell you this, if COVID were gone tomorrow, there would be something else you'd have to face eventually. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Paul expresses the calm and the storms of life for the Christian in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and beginning with verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 beginning with verse 4. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. This is the most faithful gospel preacher that we have before us in sacred writing. The man who wrote half of the New Testament. The man who established churches first all over the known world. Once a persecutor of the church, when he obeyed the gospel at the hands of Ananias, the preacher, the Bible says he immediately set about to preach the Christ that he once sought to condemn. And because of that, he faced tremendous suffering in his life, tremendous storms in his life. He goes on to say, in hard work, in sleepless nights, and in hunger. But then he says, here's some things I gained. Listen. And he mixes them together in purity and understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truth and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. This evening, there are storms aplenty 
in this room. Sometimes I forget what I'm going to say next and I pause, but that's not the case. I'm just dry. Big storms here tonight. Like storms in marriages. Storms at work. Storms in parenting. Storms in taking care of parents. Storms with health because the doctor has said, it's not what we wished. I'm sorry. Then there are little storms. You say, I haven't had any big storms lately. Good for you. Hope you don't have many in your whole life. There's always the little storms, aren't there? The bills, the stress that expectations bring in this life, the aches and pains for some of us who grow older, and maybe even some who are younger. Schoolwork, young people. Test. I know some young people say, tests just really stress me out. I know what's going on. I do well, but I don't test well. I've heard that all my life. A lot of little storms in life. Having advanced the thought that there are both big storms and little storms as we go through life, and finally we'll face death itself, what in the world are we to do? Number one, seek Jesus and his salvation. Come and see, we have found the Lord. Seek Jesus and the salvation that he offers. Because that sin that I talked about a moment ago, that failure to do the will of God, that temptation to the flesh that we give into, that separates us from God. God has an antidote for sin. He has salvation and it comes through the son that he offered on the cross that we read about in John chapter 3 and verse 16. Over in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, chapter 1, excuse me, and verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through 9. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of eternal salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of 
your souls. Lord, save us. There's some powerful statements there, and we could spend the rest of our evening there, but just note what he says in that text about a hope that's to be revealed, about a promise that's been made, about a joy that's going to be ours, both in this life and in the one to come. And you know what? That brings a confidence to life, no matter what the trials are that you face. There's a passage that I ran over a few years ago, five or six, that I'd missed. I don't mean I hadn't read it. I'd probably read it a hundred times. Philippians 1, verse 6, For I am confident of this one thing, that he, God, who began a good work in you and me, will perfect it until the day of Christ. Don't be running around here trying to perfect your own life. Now do the best you can. Do what you can to be obedient to the will of God. You say, but I fail, Brother David. I, I, I try and I fail. So do I. So does everyone. God is not calling on us to perfect ourselves. He is calling on us to be perfected through the blood of His Son, Jesus. And that brings us back into fellowship with Him because all sin has been washed away. And God, hear the word of the Lord, remembers them against us no more. There's a song we sing. It's an old song. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Well, that was number one. Seek Jesus and salvation. We're not, we're not going to find real joy until we do. Number two, trust in God's power, not your own. We've just talked about his power to save sin, but to emphasize it a little bit more, Romans 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The death spoken of here is spiritual death, not physical death. There's a horror far greater than physical death. It is spiritual death. But he has other powers. He has the power to heal. When Jesus first comes on the scene, back in Matthew chapter 4, before he preaches the Sermon on the, on the Mount and delivers the rest of the uh, uh, new law that he will be giving us or starts to deliver that new law, the Bible says Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news. That last... That's what Spencer preached this morning. You say, did you hear his sermon? No. You say, did you see his sermon? No. But he left it up here, and so I peeked over through two or three pages, and he said a sermon ain't worth a plug nickel, and it's not worship unless it comes from and is about the Word of God. Amen, Spencer down in Circe. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom 
Now, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, and those suffering severe pain, and the demon possessed, and those having seizures, and those paralyzed, and he healed them. He was able to heal them miraculously in opposition to nature, to natural law. That's a miracle. He would someday vest that power in men, the apostles and others who had received divine gifts, but that lasted for just a time that it might confirm the word that saves our eternal soul, James 1.21. That's what the miracles were for in the first century. They weren't so we could have a big show. They weren't so they could light up the arena. The miracles were so that the word could be confirmed. It was never about the miracles. It's always about the message. And it always will be. It was in the first century when they were persecuting Christians. It is today when we sit in this comfortable building, worshiping God without fear of the same. And it will become what may in generations to come. But that doesn't mean that God's quit healing. He's just quit vesting that power in men. Well, preacher, why do some people get sick and die and some people get better after a terrible illness and live? I don't know that I have all the answers to that. I'm quite sure I don't. But I'm quite sure that God is able to heal and that sometimes his healing is taking people home. He can heal sickness, brokenheartedness, broken lives, broken relationships. He can heal pain and loneliness. He can heal awkwardness, young people. He can heal, he can heal, heal pride. He can heal fear. He can heal whatever we bring to him. But we must bring it. And in so doing, he gives us the power to live abundant lives and finally to spend eternity with him in heaven. I'm going to just give you a couple verses. I'm not going to read them. But in doing so, he gives us the power to overcome. The power to overcome physical death. The power to overcome sickness. The power to overcome embarrassment. The power to overcome sin, whatever it might be. The power to overcome hurt. He gives us that power. If you read Romans 8 very clearly, you will see in verses 31 through 39 that he is able he is able to take care of whatever struggles we have in this life. Back up a few verses to verse 8. In Romans 8 and verse 28 says, For all things, all things are happened to us for good. That seems hard to understand because we have so many difficult times in life. But out of that good, God is able to bring a lesson if we hear I don't, sometimes I don't hear. Sometimes, you know, he has to box you around a time or two. Sometimes he has to hit you over the head pretty hard. Sometimes we never hear. But that's what Christians try not to do. They try not to be a people who refuse to hear. First John 4 and verse 4 says, and this is one of my 
if I had a top 10, this would be in my top 10 of verses in the Bible. The aged apostle John says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Satan is in the world. He is the father of sin. He tricks us, deceives us, baits us, buys us, does whatever he needs to do to get us to succumb. And we do sometimes. But he will not win. Because if we turn to God in our lives, God is greater than Satan. Number three. Believe in God's final victory. How are we going to weather the storms of life? What are we going to do? We're going to seek Jesus because he is the answer to the source of all the misery that exists in this world. He is the answer to sin. What are we going to do? We are going to trust in God's power to heal us. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to be healed. We're going to get over whatever is besetting us. Even though it may be a terrible struggle for us, we're going to get over that. Most of us, for many of our struggles, are going to get over them in this life through the power of God and His Word. And if not, we're going to overcome them in death, not because death is the friend of God. God hates death. He uses it for His purposes just like He used old Pharaoh for His own purposes. The final enemy that shall be destroyed, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 and following, is death. God's going to destroy death, and I'll be glad of it. All battles will not be won in this life. Oh, many of the battles that will be won. Many of the battles that will be won. But not all of them. Believe in God's final victory. Well, you know, those of you that have known me from years past, that I'm, I'm just an old-timey three-point preacher. And you say, well, preacher, you're getting to them a little faster than you used to. My feet hurt. I'm ready to get down and go eat. And then those that have known me for a long time know that I've said in conclusion, and that sometimes doesn't mean another minute. So in conclusion, as we look back to the verse we began in, Jesus was in a boat asleep, and the winds came and the waves came, and they beat against that ship. And it scared the disciples. They thought they were going to die. I believe they thought that they were going to die as much as any person has ever thought they were going to die. And they went to Jesus, and they said, Lord, save us. To weather, and I am really about done, I ask for just your careful attention for a minute. To weather life's storms, we need a boat. 
with the right captain. Not the right boat. The right captain. Edward Smith was the captain of his ship. The Titanic. And the Titanic was the right ship. But Edward Smith was the wrong captain. The little boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee almost 2,000 years ago was the wrong boat by anyone's definition in a storm on Galilee. It wasn't sufficient for those kind of waters. I'm sure many had perished in the sea because of small boats. But not an apostle died because Jesus was the right captain. And now, for those of you that are not much into metaphor, and the young people may drift off to sleep, in the words of the title of one of my favorite songs, you won't have sleep long. You'll be right awake in a minute. We're going to stand up. We got the right boat now. Since Jesus rose from the dead. And it is called in this figure, in this metaphor, the old ship of Zion. It's just really another name for God's people, the church. You know what? Under this metaphor, we're sailing the seas of life. The old ship of Zion never fills up. It will hold all that come. And it's taking on precious cargo for eternity. And there, if you will look closely at the helm of the old ship of Zion, is the captain, Jesus Christ. And so, folks, I'm delighted to tell you tonight that whether you live or you die, whether you're broken-hearted or happy as a lark, whether you're sick or healthy, whatever struggles you're in or whatever victories you're experiencing in life. If you're a Christian, you're on the right boat. You're in the right ship with the right captain. And the only way to weather all these storms that are going to come to us in life safely is to get in the boat with Jesus. Somebody got in the boat this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm sure a lot more somebody's all over the world got in the boat this morning, this week, the last year. May their number increase. May we remain faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. May we stay in the church, that boat, that ark, of safety that he has constructed for us, where he will not carry animal cargo to the physical destruction of this world, but he will carry precious human cargo made in his image back to the God who made you. If you need to come to Jesus tonight, do not delay in that coming. If you've been thinking about it, do not put it off. He will help you. He will help you to grow. He will forgive you when you fail. 
He will give you his son Jesus and the promise of everlasting life. If you need that, we invite you to come as together we stand and sing.